Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Holding Fast to Faith. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and today we're going to be teaching a session on vision and what vision means to the church. I know we've got a lot of people out there that uh, would like to see their church doing more. The ministers would like to see uh, something happening with their church as well. And then there are uh, individual Christians that uh, just feel like they can't seem to get their Christian life in order and maybe flowing the way that they need it to flow. The uh, day is going to be a, a teaching session just for you. It's a, it's more of a teaching session than it is preaching, but it is very beneficiary for lots of us, including myself. I, I really look forward to uh, being able to share messages like this with you and uh, material like this. So today we're going to talk about vision. So what does vision do for the church? What does it do for the individual? What does it do for the goals that you set for yourself and that you set for your church, that you set for your life, you set for your job, your family. So vision is not just uh, for the church by itself because uh, the Bible tells us that we need to have vision because we perish, uh, Proverbs 29 and 18, where there is no vision, people perish. So uh, ministers are visionaries, but people are visionaries as well. Uh, very successful businessmen are visionaries. So what does a what does a vision do? It it keeps the ministry focus sharp. It keeps your vision sharp. It keeps your goals in life sharp. Uh, it also prevents the church from going on ministry tangents where you can get so filled up with uh, this is a good idea, this is a good idea, this is a good idea, and then taking all these ideas because you feel like it's good and you run off with it and you're doing 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 and you stay so busy, but it's not effective for the kingdom. So. Uh, you wind up wasting and burning so much time and your time gets uh, taken from you. And yet there's the ultimate goal of bringing souls into the kingdom and exalting the Lord Jesus Christ is not met because you're just running with good ideas. Uh, a vision also creates excitement within the people and leads them to a common goal. So when you have a vision, it's uh, for example, our church, we have a vision to reach, teach, and release. We're reaching people in our community. We're teaching them about the Word of God. We are teaching them how to be good Christians. We're discipling them in the Word of God on how to be independently uh, operating in God's Word and in His purpose, and then releasing them into ministry so that when they get out in the into the communities and they are able to stand on their own with the power of God behind them, uh, of course, but uh, they've got enough of the Word of God, enough training in them uh, through the through the teaching that they receive under leadership at our church that when they get out in the community, they're act, actually effective in bringing people into this house, bringing people into the kingdom of God, teaching people about the Word of God, helping people understand scriptures that will deliver them from some things that they are going through in their lives. So reach, teach, and release is our goal. And again, it creates an excitement within the people that you are teaching and training and, and uh, ministering to, and it leads them to a common goal. And it can also do the same thing in your household, in your family. When you set goals, when you set visions for your family, uh, a lot of times we have like a six-month goal. We have a one-year goal. This year we're going to do this. A lot of people call that New Year's resolution. No, it's, it's a vision. 
you should have a vision. It should be more than just a resolution. It should be a vision for your family and have a one-year vision. This year, we are going to accomplish this in our household and have a long-term, maybe a five- or ten-year vision that you're following. And every year, it's a nine-year, an eight-year, seven-year, six-year, five-year. And then finally, the vision comes to full tuition in your family and you go, hey, we reached our goal Praise the Lord. Let's do something else. Let's set another big long-term goal while every year you're setting other short-term visions. So what is your source of vision? Some people, uh, they get ideas from uh, speeches. They get ideas from podcasts. When people give them a, uh, they listen to a really good um, podcast or maybe they listen to a ministry. Maybe they hear a song. Lots of places uh, provide visions, but uh, visions also come from the Word of God. You could read a scripture and hear the Word of God in you, and it could fire something up and cause you. It, a minister could preach a message, and God speak to your spirit through that message. So it's very important to help your family members, to help your kids, your wife, your husband, your your uh, congregation, the leaders of your church. It's, it's important to help everybody develop a vision, develop a statement, put it down on paper and uh, ask each other, what do you visualize? What do you vision your family or your church or your community to look like? What, uh, how, how do you, what's your long-term goal to see this community or, or see your uh, household look like? What kind of ministry do you see yourself developing over the years? What, uh, and ultimately, what has God called you to do in your city and in your community? You know, God places uh, the the husband uh, over the household as someone who is supposed to be uh, like the pastor over the household and be the leader spiritually over the household, not the boss, not the guy that points fingers and bosses people around, but the one ultimately responsible for leading the household in the direction that God wants them to go in. So <clears throat> what God has called you to do in your city and in your community and also First off, what God called you to do in your family. So everyone should have vision to lead them and guide them to have a starting point and a goal, some something to look toward, something to to focus for. Paul said, "I have run my race. I have I've met this goal. I've I've done the the good work of the Lord." When he was about to put his head on the chopping block, he had a vision all the way to the end to do the things that God asked him to do when he faced Jesus Christ himself and said, Paul, why do you, or Saul, why do you persecute me? He, he was given a vision from the Savior, and he chased that vision to his very last breath. So how is vision manifested? One way it's through uh, ministry. Another is through church identity. All ministers have a philosophy of ministry, and uh, even though you, some people say that they don't have a philosophy, sometimes your philosophy is, I don't have a philosophy, but we need to find a way to uh, generate and manifest visions in our life. Um, and for you ministers out there, for you people in the church, the, the deacons, the, everybody that's a church member, everybody that has something to do in the church, the point that I'm trying to get, ministry practice has a driving force, and that is the vision, because without the vision, remember we saw the scripture, without vision, people perish. And in uh, some smaller churches, the pastor and his family winds up doing everything. That shouldn't be the case, but the point here is regardless of the size of your church, if you've got 500 people or if you've got 50 people in your church, you need a defined vision 
to lead, guide, and direct you to have a goal for everybody to come together and have a common goal. Now, what Paul said is, I want to know nothing among you save Christ crucified. So what he was saying, there was so many people had so many religious differences. He was pulling them all together and said, hey, all these other things, all this other stuff, that's the, all this stuff that you're arguing about and trying to go in so many different ways, come to common ground. Our main focus is Christ and him crucified. Now, the church has to be right there first before they do anything else. But what we're talking about here with vision is so that the church themselves can have a goal. So, uh, Let's let's say, for example, that the church wants to build a music program. They want to build a youth program. They want to have a young adults program. They want to have uh, new married couples. May, whatever their goals may be, that they have to have a vision and they have to have somebody that is faithful in the church, in the congregation, and husbands, wives, family members. The same thing points towards you and your family and your household. You have to have a vision. You can't just get your paycheck and, and blow it on whatever you want to blow it on and everybody just come home from work or come home from school and occupy the same house and nobody ever talk or have any things that you, you've got to have vision. You've got to have a focus in your family as much as you have a focus in your church for things to come out and be pleasing to yourself and to your creator. <clears throat> so, Let's look. Uh, I'm going to bring this up again. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But in the New Testament, Paul says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. In Acts 9, the account is given of how Paul experienced the light from heaven on the road to Damascus. We all may remember that story, but uh, God came to him. Jesus Christ appeared to him. He, he told him, he said, I am Jesus, the one who you persecute. And he gave him a heavenly vision on his assignment. And he was received into ministry and he started out reaching, uh, reaching and teaching people and releasing people into the ministry as he was sent to the Gentiles to carry the word of Christ to them. So he was a man of vision. So I want to tell you two Greek words that's used in the New Testament to define the, the meaning vision are harama and optasia. So uh, when we look at these Greek words that the uh, New Testament was written in, harama uh, means uh, something that is seen, an appearance. It also means a manner in which someone would perceive of coming consequences and the way that somebody looks at something. So harama is the way you see it or the way that you perceive it. And the second word, optasia, means coming into view, that, you know, optometrists uh, that works on your eyes, and that's where they get their word at. That's their root word, optasia. It means come into view. It's an internal image of possibility for those who have vision. So the Greek says that it is that which is seen, an unfolding future possibility, if you can understand that. That's where vision has to start from scriptural understanding and unfolding future possibility. So we've, we've got to know that vision is something that we've got to look into the future and see the possibilities and lock in on that vision and stick with it until it comes to pass. And we need to make sure that somebody is administrating this vision. When a vision is developed, it's followed by a mission statement. So you've got to develop a mission statement. That's why you have to sit down. People have to get together. They have to have 
conversations, kind of like being a project manager. You've got to have one person that assigns tasks to several other people. You, uh, for example, in your household, the mother may sit down with her children and say, you know, your assignment is to take care of the dishes. Your assignment is to take out the trash every day. Your assignment is to sweep the floors in the living room. Your assignment is this. Your assignment, you need to make up your bed every morning. These are the things. This is the vision of our house, and these are your assignments. In the same way, we have assignments in the church, and we need to have people that are willing to work, people that are willing to see the vision, share the vision, believe in the vision, and move forward with the vision and not just sit back and be spectators. A lot of people come to church and they are spectators. They love what's going on in the church. They love to uh, hear about the vision. They love to hear about the goals that are happening, the things that are being achieved and what God is doing in the church, but they don't want any part of it. They just want to sit back and, and view it happening from the outside in. The church needs people who are willing to work toward the vision, to be accountable toward the vision, to serve under a pastor that is set before the Lord. And uh, so with the, the, the vision, we also need to have edification, equipping, encouraging, and excellence in the church ministry. And so that means to, if we're going to edify people, we need to build them up, make them strong, uh, encourage them to be part of the vision. That's, that's what we need to do. And, and we need to go on and equip people with the tools that they need uh, to help with the vision. So there are some people that has talents and we need to recognize the talents and, and see that they're already equipped with some, some of the tools. But one of the number one tools you need to help the vision of the church is the word of God. And you need to read the word of God and study the word of God. And when the pastor or the preacher, the people that's headed over the vision, uh, they need to be, uh, sharing the word of God and, and certain scriptures that help with the vision to the people who are working with the visionaries, the, the group of people that are helping move the church forward uh, in the, in the uh, moving toward the end goal, if you will. And so encouraging is healing and nurturing. Sometimes you people are hurt because of many stresses and difficulties in their life. And the, uh, the church is there to, uh, heal them and nurture them and encourage them past those things and sometimes giving them something to do in the church so that they can uh, have that sense of importance, a sense of being needed and sense of being wanted, a sense of being depended on that can really help them to have a purpose in the church and be there more often and therefore be part of receiving the word of God more and more and more and build up their spirit and be able to get to the place where they can be released in the ministry because they have been reached with the word of God. They have been taught the word of God and they can finally be released into the ministry and be effective in the community. And the other thing, the last thing I want to tell you is excellence. We have to strive toward excellence. We, we really in the church, the Bible says we need to do everything as if we are doing it for the Lord himself and not just for me or not just for my neighbor or not just trying to fill a position in the church so that we can be seen and somebody can say, oh, good job. You've done that well. That looks really great. <clears throat> no, we need to strive toward excellence as if we are doing it for the Lord. And if you're doing it in the church, that is exactly what you're doing. If you are a, a husband at home and you're working at work, 
to provide for your family. That is God ordained for a man to provide for his family. So everything that you do, men, when you are going to work, you need to do that job to your utmost ability because that job that you are doing is something God ordained for you to do to make sure that you are doing the best to take care of your family back home. So you need to strive for excellence in everything you do and not just at the church. So excellence is helping to reach people, building stronger disciples, equipping people for ministry and getting them involved in active service, encouraging and building people up to recognize their potential in Christ, doing everything that you can in a spirit of excellence as you are doing it to the Lord or for the Lord himself. So the next thing we need to do is apply that vision, make that vision a reality it, and making it a reality requires basic administration functions, and we must select people to do that. Just like I said earlier, there's got to be people willing to work, and then we have to have a plan. So somebody has to be good at planning. Somebody's got to be able to put that plan into action. And then, of course, if it requires money, men, women, you people out there has got houses, cars, and things like that, one of your number one things to do, stuff costs money. So you got to make sure when you have a vision that you budget that vision and make sure that there are limits to your spending. Make sure that you are getting the most out of every dollar. God gave us the scripture about the talents where the one with the five talents turned it into 10 or the one with the two talents turned it into four. But the one person with one talent got scared and buried the money and he got thrown out of the throw it out of the household, throw it out in the outer darkness. We've got to take care of the money, take care of the budget and make it work the absolute best we can. And that means in our household too. <clears throat> Men, fathers, husbands in your household, if you are not really taking care of the money that God provides for you, he will take it away from you and give it to somebody else that will. You cannot spend every dime that comes into your household on whatever you want to spend it on, and especially not giving God's part to other things in the world and spending God's the, the, the part that you should give to God. It, God gives us jobs. He gives us finances. He, he advances our financial lifestyle because he wants us to have extra resources to help ministry, to help his kingdom move forward. And if we are not good stewards with our money at home, there's no way that we can be a good steward and a good person that can reach the community because we don't know how to budget our own life at home. So that's got everything has got to start at home. And that's why I'm, I'm making this vision part of the home family as well. Because when you are at home, you have to work your home life and set the example that God needs and train yourself and let God train you and let the Spirit of God lead you and the Word of God lead you so that you can be as effective at home and prove yourself a good workman. Second Timothy tells we got to prove ourselves a good workman so that we can do the work of God. We, he puts us through that test at home, and when we pass that test at home, he sees that we have the capability to work for him in his kingdom. So operation, uh, vision, uh magnifying God's name, working for him, doing the things he needs to do and expanding ourselves to the best possibility that we can to advance the kingdom of God should be the number one thing on our list when we talk about vision and the kingdom of God. So um, let's see. Let's, the vision, If so I want to wind this thing down here right here. So when we look at vision, 
we need to understand that the vision that God provides for the husband at home or the vision that God provides for the pastor at the church or whoever is over, maybe it's a women's ministry that's got a program going on for widows or something like that. When God provides a vision, you need to treat that vision just as important as you would treat the most important thing in your life, and you need to administer it. You need to be a very good project manager over that. You need to nurture that vision, and you need to see it through to the end. Don't add or take away from that vision. Work it. Be able to hold people accountable to the segments of the vision and do it in a loving way and say, here's what God needs us to do. Find the scriptures that backs up that vision. Find the word of God that will go along with to and also to uh, validate that vision. You know, we should have said this at the first of this uh, program, but the word of God needs to validate the vision. Pastors, uh, ministers, uh, men at home, I want to tell you, if you have a vision and God has given you a vision or you think it's a vision of God, there is nothing wrong with you testing that vision because he tells us to. He wants us to make sure that it's not a good idea, that it is God's idea. And there is a big difference. Sometimes we have good ideas and we, oh, this right here would, would look good or this right here would go good or we could do this and do this. And, and like I said at the beginning, you could get yourself caught up in wasting a lot of time doing something that you think is good. And then it just eats up your life and eats up your time and, and just uh, destroys your capability of being effective in the kingdom. So find scripture that backs up the vision. Find scripture that validates the vision. Gather together some personnel in the church, some people in the church, elders of the church that will pray with you over this vision. Pray over it for several days, maybe even weeks, and make sure that everyone is comfortable with the vision that God is, is leading your church and leading your family in this direction before you just get this whim and take off on it. Don't ever, if listen, if it is a good thing to do today, it will be a good thing to do tomorrow. That's something I practice in my house anyway about spending money on something. We go to go to town or Lord help us, Walmart. When If you go into Walmart and you see something that you think would really look nice in your house or maybe it would look be a good addition to your car or what whatever it is that you're looking at, if it is a, a good idea and it's needed today, walk away from it. If you still feel that way tomorrow, Walk away from it. You still feel that way the next day. Walk away from it. If it's still really burning and really edging on you, then it might be okay to buy this thing. But a lot of times we'll buy it out of instinct and just uh, do spontaneous purchasing and spontaneous actions. And then when we get home the next day, we're, we're feeling really bad in our stomach and down in our gut. And that's the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, you've made a mistake. You should have pushed that off and talked to me and waited on me to give you direction. And we we want to carry it back to Walmart and get our money back the next day because we made a spontaneous uh, purchase on a whim. You should never execute a vision that way. You should always execute your vision by drawing it out, sitting down with uh, people in the church, praying over it, calling your pastor, getting some more pastors in the area uh, to look at it and pray with you talk to your overseers or other people, but you should always make sure that you are executing a vision 
that is uh, something that you know is from God and not from, you know, just a, a really good idea. And that's a, that's a really good, uh, a really good standard to follow. So I want to, uh, I want to encourage everyone, if you've listened to this and it's, uh, it's really helpful for you, I want you to pray over it. I want you to use this training and um, pray over it with, with your uh, people in your church, pray over it with your family, uh, apply it to your home life as well. It's, it's really important to use the same uh, principles in your home as it is with your church, but God blesses those who have a vision and who sticks to a vision and lets God be the leadership, whether it's in your church or in your family. Amen. Praise God. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope this has been really helpful to you and uh, God bless you. And I hope to see you on the next one. Hello everyone. I want to talk to you just a second about how important it is to get your daily diet for your spirit through the word of God. I know that we put a lot of podcasts out there and we're giving you a lot of the word, but if you don't have a copy of the Bible, you need to find yourself one and start reading it on a daily basis. There's nothing more important for your walk with Jesus Christ than reading the word of God every single day. If you don't have one, find you one and get out there and start reading the word of God. It is your spiritual food. Thank you.